any time here on the KRVN Midday, you can quote Jimmy Buffett. You know it's going to be a dang good day here at the KRVN World Headquarters. It's not a round table, but here we are around the round table. Clay Patton, Bob Brogan, Tyler Cavalli looking left to right across your radio dial. Clay Patton, we uh, already previewed the newsmaker in the newsmaker. Tim Marshall himself joined us for a little bit of a preview. So we've got a good idea about the 1225, but there's still a lot left for midday in the farm team. True, and we'll add 20 minutes to it and make the 1245. Now, 1219, it is going to be Shaley Peters and Al Dutcher. As uh, interesting enough, though, Shaley actually recorded that at a gas station this morning. She attracted Al down, and she said the look she got as she was talking with Al, quite interesting. So uh, from a gas station near you, it's Al Dutcher at 1219 with Shaley Peters. And at 117, and Susan Littlefield returns back to Rising, uh, Rising City. She's talking with Kevin Siffing for this week's Friday in the Field Edition. And you were talking to a bunch of folks at a convenience store, I believe, in Brady. Is that where they were tuning into Monogram Money here That's a week right. or so that ago? Was, yeah, that was a couple weeks ago. I went over uh, to have, see how my tractor was coming along, needed a new water pump, putting a loader on it, and I happened to stop there for a Pepsi and a Snickers. And, uh, <clears throat> Brandon, you were on air that afternoon, and I'm not going to lie, you did not roll the letters they wanted. It's it's amazing how many friends I try and alienate when I do Monogram Money, because yeah. you've got a 1 in 17,000 chance. Very true, very true. Tyler Cavalli in sports today. Uh, we will not be broadcasting from a gas station today for sports, but Darn. we do have uh, football. Football is officially back. The NFL preseason kicked off yesterday in earnest. Of course, we had the uh, the uh, big game last week, but yesterday we had several games. Chiefs, they will kick things off tonight, but uh, boy, the NFL is back. Football actually will be here in some sort of way right. until February. So that's the good news if that you're a football fan. News. If you're not... Well, then this is the worst time of year for you. So, Husker basketball, they moved to 3-0. The men did in their Italian trip. They're off the next couple of days. They played yesterday against the same team they beat the day before. So they played two games in 22 hours. And it's been kind of fun to follow them on social media. If you haven't already, I suggest you do so. Because it's they've been doing a lot of team drills. Of course, this team right. is all brand new. So a lot of bonding going on and i was thinking about it this has to be great for them yes. i mean going to italy none of these guys really know each other and they're being forced to play with each other against guys they don't know anything about either so this has to be fun for them they're 3-0 they play one more game on monday and just as important is the travel time back and forth right. years ago i went on a cruise through the mediterranean it was an eight-hour flight from detroit mm-hmm. to rome we had family bonding, right? Not so much on the way back. So it'll be interesting to see how those <laughs> bonds form on that metal tube at 400 miles an hour. Well, and it's going to be a lot better when if you go four now, even three and one. You, you know, it'll be better. So, uh, baseball still going strong. Of course, both Nebraska senior legion baseball teams stayed alive in the Mid South tournament that is being held in Hastings. Uh, Fremont and Hastings both won. They'll play still to keep their season alive today as well. Bob Brogan, markets uh, down after being up yesterday, after being down the day before. More, tri- more China trade fears are sinking the stocks today, and they are capping a turbulent week at, with another decline. Traders are worried that trade talks with China could be on the rocks again. Indexes started lower today, and the losses accelerated after President Trump said it was fine if a meeting on trade with China next month doesn't happen. Also, wholesale prices have uh, increased a little bit, ticked up, and Walmart is removing images of violence from stores following the terrible tragedy in one of their stores. All of that and more coming up on... Paul Perkins, I can remember a time where you and I were talking about the weather here not being 
8 degrees or even 4 plus 8 degrees to get us to 12 degrees. It was so cold. But yet as we look outside, it is 80 degrees, 81 degrees, depending on the thermometer you're looking at. That's not bad for this time of year, even at that. Exactly. Uh, a pretty seasonable day on the way for today as we start to get it towards the middle part of August. Actually, kind of one of those nicest times of the year. It's warm, but not too warm. Start seeing those low and mid 80s from about mid August on into September, and that's where we're headed right now. And you and I don't have this problem much, but my wife regularly complains this time of year all the humidity yeah. <laughs> and what it does to her hair. Now, I'm high and tight, and you're just about there, too, but yeah. uh, for those that have a lot of hair, I would imagine this humidity is not doing many favors. Exactly. Right now, those dew points on into the upper 60s to low 70s with those temperatures generally right around 80. So, yeah, we're feeling the humidity the last several days, a lot of it from that monsoonal flow of moisture coming up from the southwest. Here's Paul with the rest of your ag weather. Right now, those temperatures on into the upper 70s to low 80s for the most part across the area. Most of the low 80s over southwestern areas from Ogallala and North Platte and Kearney on into northwestern, uh, actually from Ogallala and uh, Kearney on over to northern Kansas. Otherwise, those temperatures in the upper 70s. Just some patchy clouds across the area. A lot of us enjoying a lot of sunshine. But those dew points on into the low 70s, so it's definitely make it feel humid this morning and this afternoon as you head into western and central areas. Actually, some of the lowest dew points, and you usually don't see this very often, upper 50s to low 60s for some low dew points from Lincoln on into northeastern areas of Nebraska. It's usually the flip of the drier air in the west and the cool, uh, most humid air on into these, but not the case for today. It's an area of high pressure currently centered over Iowa. Uh, looking at some sunny to partly cloudy skies, seasonal temperatures, that drier air over eastern areas thanks to some high pressure in Iowa. We're also sitting in between that area of high pressure in Iowa and low pressure approaching from the west, so winds will be stronger today out of the south. Thunderstorms will be possible later for today and tonight. As far east as northern and west-central Nebraska and western Kansas with some low pressure starts to move into South Dakota. Late tomorrow and tomorrow night, thunderstorms expected to develop near an area of low pressure in eastern Colorado. Thunderstorms will then roll to the east and reach central areas mostly after dark. Some strong to severe storms are possible with a wind and hail threat. Heavy rain also a possibility, but mainly to the south of I-80. More thunderstorms expected to develop across Colorado late in the day Sunday, lift northeast during the overnight Sunday night. That round of thunderstorms and heavy rain potential will focus mainly to the north of I-80. Next week won't be overly wet, but it won't be completely dry with some off and on thunderstorm chances. Temperatures expected to average near or a few degrees shy of what we usually get this time of year. In the long-term forecast, though, those temperatures are likely to be warmer than normal by Wednesday through August 22nd for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the central and eastern U.S. For the middle part of August, for reference in central Nebraska, our daytime highs usually in the mid-80s with average overnight lows in the low 60s. Nebraska and Kansas likely to start off with near-normal rainfall the mid to late part of next week, but then the forecast trends drier than normal for rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas next weekend through the 22nd. Key weather factors affecting the markets include limited rain for the Midwest and heat stress impacting European crops. For the next few days, much of the U.S. will experience a period of near or below normal temperatures, while hot and humid weather will persist from the southern plains to the southern Atlantic coast. Periodic rain can be expected from the northern Rockies into parts of the Midwest. In the recent dry areas of the central and eastern Midwest, the rain will be limited and drought is forecast to develop this month. The recent cool weather is easing the crop stress but is also slowing crop development. There are now widespread concerns about crop maturity before the first freeze. In the southern plains, 
Western and central areas are experiencing flash drought conditions from stressful heat and dryness, but in uh, thunderstorms expected this weekend, but they're not going to help a whole lot. In eastern areas of the Southern Plains, heavy rain and storms have caused flash flooding and storm damage, with additional storms possible this weekend. In western and central Europe, rain and cooler temperatures have eased the stress to corn a little bit after the harsh heat of last month. France's corn rating has slipped to 60% good because of the heat. It always helps when I hit, turn the microphone and that button. Down. There, you, there go. you go. That's the button we're looking for. And as always, where can people find the latest updated ag information? KRVN.com. Hello, this is Governor Pete Ricketts inviting you to join me for my next Governor's Monthly Call-In Show this coming Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time and 1 to 2 p.m. Mountain Time. I'm excited to grow Nebraska, and I look forward to taking your calls and questions. Please tune in and stay involved with your state government with my monthly call-in show from the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this radio station. The Nebraska Rural Radio Association presents the Governor's Call-In Show Monday at 2 p.m. on 880 KRVN. It's time again this week to check in with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. Now, we actually talked to you earlier in the week, but uh, catching up with you for our weekly segment now to take a look at the weather. Parts of the state seeing some severe weather, central, southeast Nebraska, some wind damage. Uh, what can we expect headed into this weekend and next week? Well, Shaley, the models are indicating yet some more storm activity this weekend, and they're all over the place once again with the placement of the precipitation. And last week we've seen a projection of heavy precipitation basically across the eastern third of the state and everything was pretty much to the west of the projected area so the confidence in terms of the placement of precipitation over the next couple of days I don't have a high degree of confidence simply because in the last 24 hours we've seen a shift almost a half of the state from where we were projecting heavier precipitation yesterday to today that being said we do have a system that is moving across the Dakotas today that may clip northeast Nebraska, particularly during the overnight hours as it moves toward the Great Lakes. So there is a chance for some scatter shower activity. And of course, if it drops a little bit farther, then that would impact the northern tier of counties. And as we go through the day tomorrow, uh, essentially looking at very warm conditions as the ridge tries to be beat down with this trough moving across the northern plains. And that'll allow a little bit cooler air into the northern portions of the state. Probably looking at four to six degree change in temperatures. And if we are very overcast, it may be a little bit more than that. But we will keep the warmth in southern Nebraska. At the same time, we'll be looking at the potential for some development of thunderstorm activity, particularly in the early portions of the morning, highlighted across the panhandle. And there is some blobs showing up in east central Nebraska. I don't hold a lot of confidence in that. But as the day progresses and we heat up, and with that trough coming in through the northern plains and this one looks like it's going to push a little bit farther south we should start to see thunderstorm development occurring particularly as we get into Saturday or excuse me Sunday afternoon and carrying through through the, uh, at least the first half of Monday as that cold front pushes through the state thunderstorm development looks organized across the western one-third of the state shifting toward the east during the overnight hours and exiting eastern Nebraska during 
the late morning hours. Uh, right now, that models have shifted the precipitation shield to cover more of the areas north of Interstate 80 instead of basically the southern two-thirds of the state. And the one area we're looking for relief is that area on the drought monitor that has shown expansion basically north of Omaha, south of Sioux City, and east of Columbus. We have four-inch-plus deficits over the last 60 days in an area centered around the West Point area. So we probably are already seeing some moderate drought conditions in that region. And if we lack this precipitation coming this weekend and early next week, then this area is going to degrade rather rapidly because when we look out even further, once we get by Monday, really doesn't look like a lot of opportunities for precipitation outside of potentially Friday as a trough goes across the northern plains and may impact northeastern Nebraska. But for the most part, pick the picture is a fairly dry pattern with the coolest temperatures, of course, being Monday and Tuesday. Northern Nebraska may drop down into the upper 70s to the lower 80s. Southern Nebraska is probably going to drop down more into the mid-80s. And then we watch as we get into the late next week, once again, the ridge starts to establish itself and pushing toward the east and the north, bringing in much warmer conditions. And that really looks like it's going to hold, at least from the model standpoint, through about the 21st. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for a check of your midday sports. And to handle that, out of the bullpen, Tyler Cavalli. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Nebraska freshman Samari Curtis led three Huskers in double figures as the Nebraska men's basketball team held on for a 73-70 victory over Silhouette Basketball Club last night. Curtis finished with 13 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 steals as Nebraska built a 24-point halftime lead and hung on down the stretch after playing its second game in a 22-hour span. Meanwhile, senior Hanif Cheatham finished with 12 points, while Deshaun Burke added 11 markers for the Huskers, who improved to 3-0 on the Italian trip. Now, the Huskers will finish up in Florence today before traveling to Como for the final portion of their trip. Nebraska will play their final game of the week Monday night against Italian Select. Tip-off for that game is scheduled for noon central. Staying with Big Ten news, Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta has agreed to a three-year contract extension. Barta has been with the Hawkeyes since 2006. Now the school said he is now signed through 2024 and will earn a salary of $650,000 a year with deferred compensation that will bring his total up to $1 million in 2020-2021. Well, there are some concerns about the NCAA's new requirements allowing men's basketball players to sign with an agent during the NBA draft process while maintaining their college eligibility. The NCAA has outlined its certification process for agents requiring a college bachelor's degree as well as certification from the NBA Players Union. That educational requirement has led to criticism and concern from some, including NBA All-Star LeBron James on Twitter. Switching to baseball, day three of the American Legion Mid-South Regional at Duncan Field in Hastings is underway. A day after winning in walk-off fashion, Hastings Five Points Bank is once again playing for their season against Coweta, Oklahoma right now. Fremont will play Festus, Missouri at 7 p.m. this evening. The overall winner will compete for a spot in the American Legion World Series. And the NFL kicked off preseason action with 11 games last night, and tonight there are two more on tap. Tampa Bay is at Pittsburgh with a 6.30 kickoff time, while Minnesota will visit New Orleans at 7 p.m. That's your latest sports update. I'm Tyler Cavalli, and for more, visit our website at krvn.com.
A renewed national debate over race and gun violence has raised questions about whether more ex- extensive background checks are needed and other measures such as limiting access to guns that fire multiple rounds. Nebraska 3rd District Congressman Adrian Smith says taking guns away and other restrictions aren't getting at the heart of the problem. A, a firearm, even with multiple rounds in, in a law in the, you know, in the hands of a law-abiding individual, whether it's uh, sporting reasons or uh, mostly that would be the reason, I I can't see where taking that firearm out of their hands really gets to the problem that uh, that we are facing. That it, it's a missed opportunity to to have priorities focused in a direction that that doesn't bring about uh, effective resolution to preventing the next tragedy from occurring. Smith wants to, to, the discussion to head toward what he thinks is the heart of the issue. The, the pattern is mental illness. In, in so many, whether it's a theater in Colorado, whether it's an elementary school in, in Connecticut, uh, and the, unfortunately the list is long of these tragedies that have taken place. And uh, addressing the mental illness issue, I think, should be the priority Smith says the solution might better be found at the local level with people reaching out to build relationships and strengthen communities so gun violence tragedies are less likely. The House is recessed until September 9th. The Nebraska Supreme Court has upheld the dismissal of a lawsuit brought by a group of tanning salon owners who had claimed the Nebraska Cancer Coalition had defamed them and hurt hurt their business with an anti-indoor tanning Excuse me, anti-indoor tanning message. The business owners who operated some 30 tanning salons in Omaha and Lincoln sued in 2015 after the coalition launched its The Bed is Dead campaign, which includes a website and ads that link tanning beds use to skin cancer. The lawsuit says the campaign not only defamed the salons, but violated a state deceptive trade practices law. The high court said in its decision Friday that a Douglas County District Court judge did not err in dismissing the lawsuit, noting that a defamation claim requires more than general industry-wide allegations. August 30, excuse me, August 30th, 2019 is the deadline to nominate individuals for the 5th annual Serve Nebraska Set Forward Awards. Executive Director Kathy Plager says there are 10 categories, so multiple individuals are recognized. There are a lot of individuals out there that do so many things. In order to be able to recognize individuals more than just one person, we split it up into 10 different categories. An individual does not have to nominate someone in each of those categories. If they know an adult who is doing some great things in their community, that's who we want them to nominate is is that adult. Basically, we're just trying to break down the categories so that we get a little clearer picture of what that individual's doing. Serve Nebraska, in collaboration with Governor Pete Ricketts, honors significant contributions and volunteerism by giving out these awards. Governor Pete Ricketts will select the winners for the 2019 Step Forward Awards. And if you would like to nominate an individual who makes a difference in your community, go to serve.nebraska.gov. A man who set fires that destroyed the Lincoln home where his ex-girlfriend lived has been imprisoned. Lancaster County District Court records say 40-year-old Dennis Propet. Excuse me, Prokopek was sentenced Thursday to four years in prison and credited for 248 days already served in custody. He'd pleaded no contest to a felony arson charge after prosecutors dropped a burglary charge. Investigators say Prokopek 
had been harassing the woman since they broke up. He got into the home on November 29th while she was out of town and the homeowner and his girlfriend were at work. Investigators say he started several fires that eventually grew and all but destroyed the house. A few hours after the blaze, Prokopek denied to investigators that he had started it and investigators noted that at the time that he had burns on his nose and forehead and excuse me and singed eyebrows. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Laird. I'm Bryce Duske reporting on the Rural Radio Network. The Nebraska Rural Radio Association Board of Directors recently announced that Tim Marshall will become the new CEO and general manager of the company effective January 1st of 2020. Marshall, who currently serves as the chief operating officer, will succeed Craig Larson, who announced his plans to retire. Tim Marshall joins us now in the Nebraska Soybean Studio at Nebraska Innovation Campus. Tim, congratulations on the news. Well, thanks, Bryce. I'm really excited. I think this is a perfect opportunity uh, to, to say to everybody, I'm very blessed to be able to work at this company. Uh, if you are a, p- a person that loves radio and agriculture, this is the premier job in in that field and um so i'm very excited to be able to have this title as of uh, january one uh we're glad to be able to let craig kind of step back a little bit as as that he's been uh, a leader for us for eight years and uh he's done a great job and i really appreciate uh, all the things that he's done for me well you have had a long career in the broadcast industry kind of across the state of nebraska but it first began in central nebraska so walk us through your career path that uh, led you to where you are today well i went to Kearney state college known as unk now um and when i graduated in 1981 so that's telling you how old i am um, <laughs> my first job was with at ntv in uh, in Kearney, uh in the ag sales division and from there i moved to lincoln in 1983 and uh, was in Lincoln Radio in primarily in the sales and some management roles for about 15 years. Uh, in 1997, I got the opportunity to go to KFAB in Omaha. And uh, so there's some correlations, you know, with our KRVN and KFAB, the two big 50,000-watt AMs uh, here in Nebraska. And so there in the sales side, I was also associate farm director uh, did the middays on air until a guy named Rush Limbaugh came along, and then they kind of, <laughs> I don't know how, why they thought he was a good to put in there. But You and Rush. And, yeah, me and Rush. So uh, but so at that point, I stayed there um, until uh, the end of 2004, and I went to another company in, in uh, Omaha. 2009, they sent me out to run some stations in Kearney and Grand Island. They figured the kid that grew up in Eddyville knew central Nebraska, which is true. And then uh, in uh, December of 2013, I got the opportunity to come to KRVN. Uh, I grew up at Eddyville, which is 25 miles north of Lexington, so KRVN had always been part of our life as I grew up on the family farm. And uh, so that was kind of a homecoming for me. We're awfully proud of our heritage here at the Nebraska Rural Radio Association. Of course, folks know the only farmer and rancher-owned radio group in the country. Now, what role do you see the company having across the Midwest and across the state of Nebraska in sharing news and information, being farmer and rancher-owned? Well, it's it's got a great heritage. Obviously, a lot of times you think about uh, the company. You may think of KRVN. You might think of KTIC in northeast Nebraska. You might think of 
Candy B out in the Scotts Bluff in the Panhandle area. Uh, we also have stations in York. And I think the big part about it is two things. One, working in the corporate radio side that I did for so many years, I certainly appreciate the ownership set up for the Nebraska Rural Radio Association because of the fact that we're able to do some things that corporate radio probably is going to look at and go, okay, you've got to do it this way, and we're going to send down, here's the way we want to do things in each and every market. We have the ability to serve our people in the communities that we're in. We have ability to serve the farmers and ranchers across the state of Nebraska, and I think that is very important to us. A lot of times you walk into a company and go, what's your mission? And the good part about this company is we walk in every day and we know what our mission is. It's to serve the men and women of agriculture in the state of Nebraska, and that's what we do. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the role you're assuming. You'll become just the fourth CEO and general manager of the, over the history of this association. What does that role mean to you? Well, it's, it's a special role because when you look at we're 60, about 69 years now, and there's only been four people that have been in this role. Of course, uh, for those that have been around for a while, they remember Max Brown, Eric Brown, of course, Craig Larson, and then uh, I get to assume that role. And it comes with a lot of responsibility, and it comes with uh, kind of a high bar uh, to make sure that we can maintain that high bar and, and push forward with a lot of the new things that, we, that come at us in the radio industry and how we can deliver what we want to deliver and how people want to get their information. Let's uh, end with this and look to the future of AM and FM radio. How do you see things changing and progressing over the course of the next 5, 10, 15 years? Well, let's see. Radio was supposed to die when TV came along, and then radio was supposed to die when satellite radio came along, and AM was supposed to die when FM came along. So we're still doing AM and FM radio. Um, but we are one company that really, uh, because of our AM heritage with KTIC, KNEB, and of course KRVN, KAWL in, in York, we embrace AM radio because it still is a vital way to be able to get the information out to our listeners. I don't know how many times, and, and these are true stories, that, yes, the farm markets, the farm information, the ag um, stories that we do are important. But we've also been the longest continuous uh, Husker football affiliate, KRVN, in Lexington. And we also, weather is why we were formed. You know, uh, KRVN was formed because of the blizzards of 48 and 49. And we still take weather very seriously. I think the, the thing that we need to continue to do is find ways to make sure that that content on the AM stations is driven out there and, and we have people that provide that content. And on our FM stations, it's entertainment. Uh, it's, it's music, it primarily uh, country, from classic country to newer country. But with that being said, then we, wo we weave in that news, weather, farm information into our entertainment on the FM side. So... I think it's a good balance. Uh, the videos that we do, I think, are very important. I think it puts us in the same realm that, that we can provide content for people that want to listen on a daily basis, that want it on demand, and that want a variety of ways to get their information. 
We've been talking with Tim Marshall. He will become the new CEO and general manager of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association coming up on January 1st of 2020. Congratulations, Tim. Thanks, Bryce. I'm Bryce Stuskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Bob Brogan, when last we talked, stocks were edging downward. Any uh, better news out there right now? Nope. <laughs> One word answer. Our business report today. Bob Brogan, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> stocks are capping a turbulent week with more declines. Traders worrying that trade talks with China could be on the rocks again. Technology and communications companies have been down the most. Indexes started lower today and the losses accelerated after President Donald Trump said it was fine if a meeting on trade with China next month doesn't happen. But by midday, the major indexes had recovered some of their losses, or much of their losses. Um, however, right now, stocks are a little bit lower. The Nebraska Supreme Court has upheld the dismissal of a lawsuit brought by a group of tanning salon owners who had claimed the Nebraska Cancer Coalition had defamed them and hurt their businesses with an anti-indoor tanning message. So the um, state's high court today turned back that lawsuit. The business owners who operated some 30 tanning salons in Omaha and Lincoln sued in 2015 after the coalition launched its The Bed is Dead campaign, which uh, is not a great endorsement. Uh, and the Supremes today uh, basically turned back the uh, that lawsuit. Wholesale prices... Ticked up just two-tenths of a percent in July, the latest sign that inflationary pressures are largely in check. The U.S. Labor Department says the producer price index, which measures price changes before they reach the consumer, increased 1.7% last month compared to a year ago, the same as June. Walmart is removing from all of its stores signs, displays, or videos that depict violence following a mass shooting at an El Paso, Texas store that killed 22 people. The uh, large retailer instructed employees in an internal memo to remove any marketing material, turn off or unplug video game consoles that show violent games, and to make sure that no violence is depicted on screens in its electronics departments. And a lot of times, a lot other stores kind of follow suit, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens on this, whether other stores follow suit or whether Walmart will be the only one. Yes. Always see if Walmart is the leader in this area or it's just a standalone entity. And uh, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people will be are, are surprised, maybe a little surprised, and uh, because that's probably a major part of their business. Indeed, that's Bob Brogan with today's midday business. Once again, for Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We head just south of Rising City, located in Butler County, where we catch up with Kevin Siffering. Kevin, six weeks ago, had a major windstorm come through that knocked most of that corn silage down. But it has come back, and it's come back stronger than ever. We hear from Kevin. This is, uh, I planted a little thicker because the unique, it doesn't have to stand as long, so you don't have to go into harvest later on you just i mean he doesn't have to go into the regular combine harvest so it's planted a little thicker and uh usually you know this year we haven't really had to irrigate much so usually you get a pass or two less on irrigation because it's going to be harvested early so you want it dry out there as much as dry as you can when they go out there with the trucks because you don't want them to have to pack it down or even so they can get around and uh, obviously with this tall of corn you get a serious shade in there so it's uh it can stay wet in there for quite a while, so you 
we quit irrigating well before they start and pad at the dairy. He told me that uh, maybe around the end of August, 1st of September, probably this year, something will get started chopping here. So I guess about on schedule. I thought it'd be farther behind than that, but that's, you know, weather pending from here till then. But that's his closest guess right now. Dairy leaves it all up to the individual farmer. You decide what you want to sell to them. And then uh, you just pick a hybrid that is made for, I mean, kind of for silage. You want something tall because per inch adds per ton, obviously. Adds tons to the, the height adds. But it's like, I think Pat at the dairy told me that it's 63 or 64% of the weight is still this. So it's not all foliage, but it, you still have to have good ear and good corn. But uh, So that's what you go for is uh, tons. So I think you get paid by the ton per acre. So kernel size in the ear stage we're in right now so it uh, looking pretty good I never counted how many around that is but it's a pretty long ear so it uh, looks really good I think the corn has some very good potential this year for the spring that it went through it all around here anyway shouldn't say all of it but uh, in this area it looks good and as Sifrin explained it was a tough start to the growing season for this corn but it shows the resilience in the product. As I'm impressed how it must have been early enough because not very much even goosenecked in there. There's a few that snapped off from the wind, but that's going to, when it blew that hard, it, you know, it's going to take, it's going to do that. So, yeah, I'm very happy how it bounced back. And corn is very, corn and soybeans are very resilient because we had some soybeans that got hailed also, and they came back too. So it's amazing what crops do to take care of themselves. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be some good silage. As you can see by that, it's very filled out and it pollinated very well all the way to the tip. So there's uh, a lot of high hopes around here. And I know there's areas that were unfortunate and didn't get it all planted. So we were lucky here other than swamp holes. We got everything planted on a fairly timely basis. Corn and soybeans, if they, depending on where they're at, they're gonna, some are going to be good. And I think some are not going to be so good just because they couldn't get there couldn't get out of the water so i think it's going to be a wide range and i think it's going to be a big window of harvest i think it's going to be from starting silage in september probably until who knows when the end will be done this uh hail event here just happened well at the last round we had here with the uh, six weeks ago when susan interviewed me that was uh so it was the corn was has obviously grown extended past it and these are fine above it but uh, from here down you can see that some of these really got beat up I mean, looking at previous hail damage in a cornfield that continues to grow i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network clay Patton on the rural radio network joined with john payne senior marketing analyst with daniel's ag marketing in chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain john going into the close here today we've gotten mixed here with corn and kansas city wheat in the red chicago wheat and soybeans back in the green is it weather or is it squaring up ahead of uh, monday's report well the beans we've got a little bit of move in the bean oil complex so if you trade that market you'll notice we're, we're up substantially this week um china dropped any import quotas on bean oil so that's good for the crush here you know we we do tend to sell quite a bit of me uh, of oil overseas um doesn't have to go to china you know china can buy from other places so that, that was good news uh really back up to where we started the week two weeks ago so before everything kind of fell apart went down to that four dollar level um you know we were at 420 on the corn that was like the stabilization point before the the recent breakdown in about 890 on the beans and so we traded right around that level this morning 
Uh, did see a nice sharp move up to 425 on the corn, but it, you're going to see selling, and I think that's the theme. Even if we get a bullish report, I, I think given that the September is, is this week versus December, it tells me there is a lot of bushels that need to be priced here in the next couple of weeks. So I would have my finger on the sell trigger, you know, somewhere around 440 to 450. If this is a bullish number, I don't think you buy follow-through. That would be the one advice I have for people here. Uh, you know, I think the buying does come down the road, um, but in the short run, we – we have a, uh, a deficit in corn year over year, but we're going to have a pretty sizable savings account we're bringing into the market. So this is when that's going to be felt. I think the real move is you're looking at us for, to go to 550, uh, you know, and beyond, really beyond five bucks. You're looking at uh, some sort of problem happening with the South American crop and having the spring markets move that high. Looking back in the U.S., we have weather to contend with over the weekend. The GFS and the European models both agreeing that's going to be dry for much of the corn belt. Yeah, and we're dry. I mean, it's, it's really going from, we'll call it Iowa City, Iowa, which is the eastern third of Iowa, um, all the way over to Indianapolis. So you just draw a straight line there, southeast, and, and you're going to hit a lot of, I'd say, poor corn. It's just so early that folks don't really have a clue, but it is firing, and firing from the bottom as it usually does, and, and the, the lack of moisture is going to be seen here. Um, if you if you like social media pictures of corn, uh, poor corn, you're probably going to get your, your full of it here the next couple of weeks as crop tours start. So... I think there's a, this attitude maybe right now that this is a be-all, end-all report. I certainly think it matters, but if it's really, really bearish, I do think the buyers are going to come in here. I don't think the market's going to want to go too cheap relative to where South America is, and vice versa on the sell side, on the rally side. If we would get going, uh, you know, and you get a you know 78 million acre harvested number with a 160 yield, I don't know if the market's going to live above 470. So uh, I think you got to be ready to, to move product on those on those rallies, and um, you know, be be patient if it breaks. Again, John Payne, Senior Market Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. More information available at DanielZagMarketing.com.